Today, 52SC, a uh, special guest. We bring in people that have done it before, share their knowledge. We got Joe Caparata again. Uh, Manhattan Aquariums, Unique Corals, Marco Racks, shares his experience today on aquascaping like a master. Going to hold your standard of master. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't make that. No. You've done actually. He's the one that did the 750 uh, in the WWC. Yeah, Hagrid that was a lot of fun. So yep. that one, you know how that one turned out. Uh, but what are the considerations? So I just aquascaped a whole bunch of tanks here. Uh, I just went through it, so I'm like primed and ready for this conversation, man, because I've been knee deep in it. But we want to aquascape like a master. You want to get these tanks right. So even if you're just kind of interested or you're thinking about a new tank or whatever, man, this is the conversation for you. Cool. Okay. So first uh, uh, questions. You, these are the, all the questions you're going to hear uh, the answer to throughout this episode is uh, how do we satisfy both biological and aesthetic needs? How do you plan for the end game and uh, the types of corals you want to have? How to avoid aquascaping yourself into a corner? Uh, glue, epoxy, mortar, Jenga, what's best? The easy way to get real stability. Uh, how much room do you need to, uh, away from the glass? And do I need to consider the rock as a filter as well? The slant, how do corals grow and what looks most natural in the tank? All of those things, the heart of mastering aquascape, I'm gonna hold you that, that, that standard. All Start right. with number one. Let's do it. How do you satisfy both biological and aesthetic needs? Um, so biology, kind of a wide term here, but what are we trying to do with our aquascape? We're trying to create surface area for our bacteria to grow. You know, in the absence of, uh, say, a wet-dry filter, your rock and your sand becomes the surface area for a lot of the waste that gets broken down for the bacteria to colonize to break down that waste. It's also the home that your fish sleep in at night. Um, so you want to take into consideration what are the animals we're trying to keep, uh, how much surface area do I need? Is it like one pound for every two gallons or something? Um, and then uh, what looks good? You know, what 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 am I going to be looking at? It's it's your tank. I say me, but I'm I'm aquascaping like it's my own. It's your tank. Do you like a, a white look? Do you like a black rock, a purple coralline covered rock? So you know you have to decide. Do you want that branch look? Do you want that shelving plating look? So all those things uh, have to be kind of put together in this plan before we attack it. So that's the piece that was interesting here. Satisfy both biological and aesthetic needs. Like I want to look awesome and satisfy the biological needs. Immediately you would think of, you know, where the bacteria populate as a biological element. But biology is everything that lives in there. It's the fish, it's the coral. Yeah. And so when you're designing this aquascape, like what kind of coral am I gonna put in here? What kind of fish yeah. am I gonna put right. in here? Right. Design it for them while simultaneously making it look awesome yeah. as well. Best thing you could do, is go search aquascapes and just like keep flipping through pages on Google Images until you find one. Go to Reef to Reefs, like Tank of the Month, whatever yep. you want to yep. do. I just keep flipping until you're like, ah, that one speaks to me. I'm going to be in that universe. And take your time with it too, because this is one of those things that if you put your time in and you build that awesome aquascape, it's going to re reward you with what should be years and years of visual pleasure. You know, it's often that we, we don't have the patience. We want to set up the tank quick. So, you know, as soon as we get it, we can't wait to put water in it. Oh, let's get the rocks in quick. No, let's take our time. Let's plan it like you do. You build these scapes. It could take days, maybe even weeks to do it. If you take your time with that and you really think about the angles, the arches, the different height, don't make it all the same. Um, you know, the end result will be that much better. Yeah, I would say that most of them now take me, some of them take me one day. 
uh, and some of them take me up to three days now. Okay. Uh, but like, you know what? Actually, there's one day of finding inspiration. Actually, you know, just kind of looking through stuff, and it's probably not all in one sitting, but combined. Yeah. Okay, and I'm gonna give you my secret sauce here. My secret sauce at this point is go to the ocean. Like, so we saw the predator tank. I wanna go look and see like, where do, you know, groupers hang out? Where do eels hang out? Where do lionfish hang out? And so not only can I now like design around the biology of that animal, but like there's 8 million videos on, you know, uh, you know, an eel in the ocean, like whether it be YouTube or uh, Google, you know, videos or whatever it is, uh, even just the images of it. And like, I can find one that says, ah, oh, I want my tank to look like that. Yeah. And I did that there. So I found a couple of them and uh, in the videos and I stilled it out and then I printed out the picture and I put it on the wall you know, behind the tank. And then I built it in front of the tank on a table. And like every time I was just kind of looking up at it, it's like, am I achieving my goal here? And like mm-hmm. when I'd stray, I'd kind of, kind of bring it back. And because of that, I hit that goal. Yeah. I was super, super happy yeah. with how it turned out in the end. You got like layers of excitement and inspiration to be able to take a, a picture of a, st- a still picture of something in the ocean and recreate it. That's the best. I, I did one for a client using, he had a Tesla lot of more and he wanted this eel cave and he gave me a picture. So I used a, uh, I think it was a three inch PVC pipe with a few elbows on it. And then I used the Tetra Pond spray foam, which is actually was safe in water. And I glued a bunch of different rocks and shells and some coral. And this was years ago mm-hmm. and created this super awesome cave structure that resembled what he wanted. And it was weighed down with the rocks. The whole thing sunk and it, it was perfect. I'm sure the eel's super happy in it. Oh, yeah. It feels comfortable. It's it. happy. So like you matched it to the aesthetic needs. So you're gonna see that in like every single episode of 52 SE is like you're gonna see like I mean, a lot of thought put into each one of these aquascapes. And I'm gonna tell you the biological needs too is one of the things you're gonna see is none of these are gonna be a big stack of rock, which is a detritus trap leaned up against the back of the yep. tank. Yeah. Uh, I made that mistake enough times that I'm done. Yeah, you know, I've learned my And getting stuff off of your sand bed, like if you're familiar with some of the older method, methods, the Jalbert method or the plenum method, you know, the, I think it was the Jalbert method that would suspend the rocks from like strings. So your entire sand bed was left to react with the water column where a lot of your anaerobes would be in the sand, breaking down nitrogen and phosphorus and keeping the water column clean. And they found that if you stack all the rocks on it, you're, you're negating that, that interplay between the water and the substrate. Of course, that's extreme, and we don't like to. Look, yeah, crazy. we don't like to look at rocks being suspended like that. But um, a lot can be taken from that. You know, the less footprint you have, the better. And with the mortars we have, the glue, and the techniques we have, and the lighter, more porous rocks, you can create these dramatic-looking caves and gravity-defying ledges while not stacking so much in your sand bed. You're going to see lots of gravity-defying ledges. You're going to see lots of ridge structures. You're going to see a lot of stuff that like just isn't a big giant yeah. stack of rocks. And you're going to see how it may have started out that way, but like when we decided what we we're going to make inspired by uh, like all of the imagery that we found, you know, looking for that source of inspiration inspired by the biology and you're going to find like how you can create something really cool. Like the, the best, like the best thing that anybody could ever tell me is like, man, that looks like you're snorkeling. Mm. 
Like, because yep. that's my goal is I'm trying to bring that into here. And then even in some of the things that like don't look anything like snorkeling, like, you know, our little collection tanks, like the LPS collection tanks, like I still want that thing, man. I want to think about the biology of keeping, supporting filtration, yep. supporting the you know, filtration being pollution export, but also filtration being the bacteria yep. and where these animals are going to live, thinking about you know, the tiers, you know, like everything below this one is going to eventually be shaded by the one above it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. how do I account for that either in having it sloped in the right way that like they come out from each other or from a lighting perspective that it doesn't matter that the one that on top of it is the shading, like, yeah. like these little teeny pinpoints of light ain't going to cut it. Right. You know, so right. how do I account for that? You're going to see that through all of it. Yeah, you want to look at surface area on the reef. So when you're designing an aquascape, it's important to also look down because the corals are all fighting for the light that's coming from the top. And one trick, I remember we actually talked about this when we designed the WWC one, is, and I learned this from, from talking to Sanjay, when you're designing a tank, remember the corals are growing into the light. So when your light is directly above the tank, the corals are gonna grow up into it. Eventually you'll wind up seeing the undersides of the coral. So sometimes if you can shift your lighting push it to the front of the tank and angle at like a 20 or 30 degree angle, your corals grow into the light, providing for a much more pleasing surface. So these little tricks you can do either with spotlights or just angling your lights will, will result in, uh, in a, a better view down the road. Uh, you can actually do that with flow too. Uh, the yep. corals will grow into yep. the flow. Yep. You know? yep. Like, yep. I, I don't know why, but I guess like early on, I would assume that the corals like grew away from the flow because they were you know getting pounded or something. Mm -hmm. But now that's where the best biology is happening. Yeah. So they grow towards it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So the more flow that's in the front, you'll yeah, see that's them. That's the hand that too. feeds them, right? They're gonna they're gonna extend into it. Interesting thought. All right, the next one here is how to plan for the end game and types of corals you want to have. Man, have I made this mistake before and I'm trying my damnedest to not do this anymore. And it's really, really hard. I'll share why. But like you get into how do you plan for the end game? Not where I am today, yeah. but where I want to go. So I think one of the, the most, probably one of the most common things that we see when we're decorating aquariums, especially for clients, is you want to fall in love with the aquascape. But really the aquascape is analogous to the foundation or the first floor of your house. Really, when you look at a finished house, it comprises of a foundation, a first, maybe a, and a second or a third floor. The corals is your first, second, and third. Your rock is supposed to just be your foundation. So you want your finished aquascape to be below the pleasing focal point of what the finished reef would look like. Most corals, especially with the technology and the lighting we have, are gonna grow very fast and they're gonna re reward you with, you know, within six months to a year, you'll have mini colonies if you started with frags. You want those to not be up at the top. You want those to be at eye level with still room to grow and fish swimming over the reef, just like in the wild. You don't want the fish, you know, having one or two inches where they gotta fight with the coral heads in the top of the water. They're eventually so gonna be mindful of that. The water. Right, oh, they will. Yeah, yeah. 160, man, we made this mistake. You started uh, with them too high. Too high, and then like all yeah. just grew right out of the water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you got all this usable space that wasn't really being used right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, start lower. I, I don't like to scape. I mean, there's so many, you know, you ask 10 people, you're gonna get 10 different answers, but I, I personally like, and I've looked at so many tanks, is having one rock spire that's higher than the rest. Going almost to the top. And you can plant select corals because in nature, when you dive, Oftentimes you see a balmy or a rock ledge that does go to the surface, but most of the other reef is happening 
you know, 10, 15 feet below. So as long as 60, 70, 80% of your tank aquascape is, re is representative of what you would see when you dive, it's okay to have one rock mount that's a little bit higher. And bonus points, if you can make that rock mount hide your overflow or a large piece of equipment too. So when you were here last time and building that aquascape for the 750, you gave me your, you gave me two rules. Uh, one was put cardboard on the back of the tank, uh, not to protect it, but just kind of like as a reminder, don't let it ever touch the cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the rockscape off it. But one of the other things you said was on an SPS tank, don't let almost any of it go above the 50% point in the mm -hmm. tank. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that like, as a video creator, it ate my soul <laughs> because it just looks so empty, man, without yeah. the coral in there. And I know full well, man, it's going to be like 18 months before that yeah. decision seems like a wise one. But when it's there, you will sure seem wise. Yeah, it doesn't look good when you just see the undersides of a coral and the top of the coral is at the water level. It's just no. something you can remember. Like these are 24 inch deep. Right. Yeah. And so it's super easy to get an acro to go, you know, nine, 10 inches big. No, let right? it grow. Let it yeah, grow. So yeah. So it's going it's to be within a couple inches. You just have to wait for that. Yep. So it's a reef building coral. Yep. It's going to build its own reef. You're just building yep. a base. Right. Okay. So I just ran in this challenge with the Chromis tank, right? The aquascape, right? And, and your voice is in the back of my head the whole time. Don't go over 50%. Don't go over 50%. Right. But I know, I mean, in reality, because I was thinking about getting like, you know, an acro, like, like a whole colony, yep. like right out of the ocean, big one. And I'm like, really, this, all this really needs <laughs> is like a little mound of rock over yeah. here. But if I show this little mound of rock to people, they're all going to laugh at me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so like, I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. So I ended up building like a ledge, you know, that has that zero gravity kind of element that underneath it. That peninsula thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't go above. But when I was done, I started to question myself now, which is, okay, there's two paths I can do go here. I can go get a big giant acro and put it on there, or I can go get a, like a ton of frags. Mm -hmm. Like, so the first thing that came to mind was like, go to ORA and just find whatever the cheapest thing is and get like 150 of them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'll just turn yeah. this whole yeah. thing. And then oddly enough, like, as I was thinking about it, uh, um, Battle Corals, Adam yep. hits me up and I'm like, hey, maybe you can do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm still debating here, but what I got out of it was if I was going to do the wild coral, I think that the just a little teeny mound of rock would have been best. Mm -hmm. And then mount it to mm -hmm. that round mound of rock mm -hmm. and let it grow out. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be an aquascape either. It's just right. like a little mound of rock. Yeah, just a little balmy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But now that I built out that cool shelf, if I, you know, populated that with a whole bunch of the uh, same frag or even like a bunch of three different types of frags or something, then what would happen is it would make that shelf would end up being like the base of the coral. And eventually you wouldn't even know that there was a shelf right. underneath it. Right, right. The uh, best reef tanks, you can't even see the rock structure over time. Yeah. It's just corals. And so I'm kind of leaning towards the use 8 million frags on this mm. thing. Uh, I know full well that it's going to take forever mm -hmm. and that all the viewers are going to like, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear what you guys think, which would you like, should we just put a big giant acro in there to begin with, or should we let it grow out over the course of 12 plus months and become that? Right. 
Yeah, that's, there's, there's pros to both. Uh, certainly supporting ORA and getting small frags, probably something that's easier to replicate, you know, for the hobbyist. And you'll create one super colony. You know, a lot of times with farming, if you take a whole bunch of frags and you let them grow into each other, they'll grow faster than, you know, one or two larger pieces. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those larger colonies can be a little unpredictable, getting them to acclimate to captivity. So if I had to choose, I'd probably go with a bunch of like, like corals, uh, frags. I think what it would do is it will end up making that whole ledge look like a colony in the end. It would, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, and it ha I think it'll have a better look in the end. It'll just take longer to get yeah. there. Yeah. But the point of the matter is, is plan for the end game, uh, the types of corals you want. There's always pressures. Yep. You know, you want it to look full in the beginning. I want it to look full right. in the beginning. Yeah. I want it to look good on camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there's always different pressures to it. But like, don't make the mistake of filling the entire thing up with an aquascape. Yeah. But there's also other corals, like there's a softy tank here. And that one goes all the way to the top. And when I'm talking softies, I'm talking about anything that doesn't have a, a skeletal structure. Okay. Like, and I'm not talking about the little needles, I'm talking about like a you know, base. Yeah. So that's your zoanthids, your mushrooms, your zinnia, your green staller pod, anything that doesn't have a mm -hmm. like, hard mm -hmm. calcareous skeleton. Yeah. Okay. Well, now on a lot of that stuff, I can have a Scockwiscape goes, you know, largely yeah. up close to the top because, you know, zoanthids aren't going to grow up. Right. They're going to grow over. Yep. Right. Yep. So think about the animals. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yep. All right. Next one here is avoid aquascaping yourself into a corner. I can't wait to hear what you say. So <laughs> this one is not the figurative into a corner. It's, you know, if you, if, if it's recommended that you need 80 pounds of rock for a 120 gallon tank. So you go and you buy 80 pounds. Well, now you're stuck using all 80 pounds. So it depends what the recommendation is. If it's gonna be where you're ending up with 80, if that's the goal, then you really wanna start with like 100, 110. So you're not picking the last pieces to finish your aquascape with the last pieces that are in your box or something. Um, and that's challenging because it's it's trying, it's like a, you know, it's like a puzzle where you're trying to match everything perfectly. It's just not realistic and you're gonna probably set yourself up for failure. So try to have a little bit of extra rock. And it's always nice if you work with the store, if you could return it or if you have another tank you could use it in. You could even take the excess rock and put it in your sump. Where I'm going with this is not everyone can afford to have 20, 30% surplus rock. So there's always some kind of use for it. You could seed your next tank with it. Or like I said, just put it in your sump. But the, the, the main takeaway is you want to have enough material so that you're not stuck trying to fit a giant piece where a small piece is, is supposed to go. Okay. Every time we talk about this, I always feel like I'm trying to sell rock. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, because we sell rock here. Yeah, like, and, and I could see like, people already. Get 20 yeah. more percent rock out right. of somebody. Like, that's not it. I'm like, hat on is aquascaper hat, right? Yeah. Never, man. Never have I gotten to a tank where I spent, like, you know, I wanted 100 pounds of rock and I used every last piece of it and it was yeah. the perfect amount. Right. Nothing, nothing I was ever happy with, I should yeah. say, right? So all of them. I would say to get the looks that I'm really looking for, double. 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 Yeah. I, I need the pieces around, man. Like you yeah. say aquascaping yourself in the corner. And the first thing things of was like literally getting in the corner. Yeah. What I'm thinking of as actually the dwindling amount of rock on the floor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the dwindling amount of rock on the floor means I've got myself to like, hey, man, I'm really happy where this looks, but I just need to fill out this other area to get this done. And I just have none of those pieces work. 
You know, like this is yeah. going to do this. And I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm hammering, I'm breaking apart. Well, that's another thing, yeah, you, you, know? can, you can force, a, force it to a certain extent. But yeah, but like, I mean. It's, it's great when you have extra. And some of the best jobs I did, like when I did Greg Carroll, we had probably three times the amount of rock. Now, could I have done a great job with 20%, 30% more? Absolutely. But it wouldn't have come out as, as perfect because when your eye is looking for that perfect shape, you're probably not going to find it in a dwindling amount of rock. It's just the, the, the okay. I'm going to, I'm going to like shoot from the hip here, like uh, give you a rule of thumb. Okay. If you, if your tank needs a hundred pounds to be full and you got a hundred pounds, you'll build something between okay and good, depending on your skill level, right? If you have 20 ish percent more than you really need, uh, the chances that you build good, go way, way up and less dependent on skill level mm -hmm. because I don't have to like create the pieces that I need. I actually have them already. Yeah. If you want to create an aquascape that you see in pictures and you want to do the best of the best, you need double. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, triple for, yeah. for Greg Carroll's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just like this puzzle piece doesn't come pre-assembled. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you have to like right. create it right. and you know, dancing around that doesn't help anybody yeah you know and so what the big question is like what do you do with the other 50 pounds or 100 pounds that you didn't use i don't know, save them for the next tank uh, yep. there's probably one coming I, yep. I don't i don't know but like it was the cost of you know making it happen yeah you know, yep. i don't know uh right. it is definitely an important piece yep and just i just think of the corner and i like in my mind i'm having a panic attack <laughs> as that little pile <laughs> on the floor is getting smaller and smaller yeah yeah yeah, we've uh, all been there. All right, next one. This one, I can't wait to hear what you have to say as well, because I've got a lot of thoughts on this one now. Glue, epoxy, morta, mortar, Jenga, what's best? Uh, one of the, another one of those things, uh, they're, they're, they all work. They're all great. Um, the mortar, I, I prefer when you're trying to build long-term heavy rocks, real serious ledges, nothing works better than the hydraulic cement, the, the, the mortar. I think for smaller pieces, when you wanna create really cool ridges and mounds, um, like the Gorilla Glue works works really well. Mm. Um, like a cyano, uh, yeah, one of the, those types of glues. Um, and then when I say like the Jenga, Jenga's kinda like when you have a rock mound, and you're not gluing it all together, and then you go and you move a couple of pieces, the whole thing could fall like a Jenga pile. So we don't want that, obviously. But we also like the ability to be able to take rocks apart if we want to change things. Let's say you have to catch a fish or you don't like this coral here and it's stuck to a rock. It's nice to be able to move stuff. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. You lose the ability to change the scape. You're also married to it if you glue it. So it's, it's more of a personal preference. But when we're doing it for customers, we do like to glue it in so we know it's going to stay it's not going to have a landslide it's not going to scratch a panel if it falls and if we have to get a fish out we'll, we deal with it okay i i won't build it without one of those things yeah. now at, at this point like i was a stacker you know back yeah. in the day uh we but, all were i think i, I, just, didn't, I just didn't hadn't progressed my skill level yet yeah right and now like i mean I could never just stack the rock and be happy with it in almost any case, mm -hmm. right? And then even in some of the cases, the one that does come to mind that I might be able to stack it would be the shelf stuff. Yeah. You know, the, like Marco sells this shelf stuff that does actually you know, kind of plate out in a cool way. It locks together really way. stable, especially on foundation rock. It, it, it seems to work well. Yeah, that one comes to mind as maybe, but even then I would do it for sure. 
so but like it, it all of them now like you whether you use epoxy glue or whatever holding it together one of the things i want to do is hold it together really well because there are times man where i want to move i want to move the tank i want to move to a whole nother household or i need to get a fish out that i just mm -hmm. can't catch mm -hmm. and if i could go into my aquascape and lift literally lift the whole thing out in one piece I can catch that fish, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a last resort piece, but like, yeah. even what if he's killing everybody? You know, I had right. a, a, a red chorus wrasse the other day that just decided it wants to kill everybody. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. was fine until that day. Right. 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 Uh, and man, we had to spend three days catching that thing. Damn. You know, and in the 360, dude? Yeah. No. Yeah. But if it was a 120, after day one of trying to catch him, if I had a solid, two solid piece yeah. of aquascapes, I would have just lifted it out, grabbed yeah. him, and put him back in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. You could build it in multiple pieces, you know, two or three pieces that when they're together, they look like it's a single single structure. But for transporting it, for building outside of the aquarium or for doing like we, what you said, catch the fish, you could just pull out one structure and then another one and then and then another one. Okay. In terms of my favorite and using them, mortar for me is something that builds a really solid structure. Like, I mean, it goes in, wraps around everything. Yep. It gets into the holes of stuff. It's not really all that adhesive in many cases, but it's like structurally really, yep. really sound, yep. right? I have a hard time like getting it in anything that needs to go on the underside, mm. you know, cause it's, it's like this magic amount of thickness to be able mm -hmm. to get it. So it's not like drippy yep. and then it's not so dry. Like a thick that, pancake batter is what you yeah, want. Or like a pancake batter. Yeah. It is the cheapest though. Yeah. Like, you know, like it is like versus epoxy or something mm -hmm. is way, way less expensive. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. go and you get a bucket of like E mortar, which is like, yeah. it's not your, you know, Portland cement from Home Depot. Right. You know, it, it's designed for your, your sure. purpose. And it's got cures underwater, yep. has a, like a silicone or something in it. Uh, it's got a polymer, polymer that prevents flexing. You really, you want to let it cure out, but you can do its final stages in water. Yep. There's some things where I just want a picture of the fish sure. on the front and assume that people got it. And in this case, it's that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, and it's inexpensive. So, it, this case, I, I would use it, but like I, I can only use it in places that are kind of downward for me, right? Okay. For me, <laughs> epoxy, super glue, and accelerator is the key in most mm -hmm. cases. Because with super glue, and I can buy those big, you know, BRS jugs of it, you know, the yep. big, huge things, you know, get the accelerator spray out. I can assemble it, you know, and glue it together in a manner where I can build up the structure just using the accelerator and the super glue and I can get where I want to go. And sometimes I just don't want really to like it. I just take it or tear it all apart mm -hmm. and I can, you know, get the glue off pretty easy with the little snippers and stuff and start over, but like it holds enough structure. But once I get where I want to go, then I use those two part epoxies. Yep. And what's cool about those things is I can push them up underneath. Jamming in all the nooks yeah. and crannies. Yeah. Yep. So you don't see it anywhere. Yep. We did an investigate really re recently. We didn't share the results of yet, but we went and matched the like 12 different epoxies to the like 12 different types of rock. If you get the color right, yep. it's impossible to see as yep. well. Yeah. So like uh, on that one right there that has these ridges on it, I mean, there's lots of epoxy there mm -hmm. and you can even see it, but you can't see it mm. because it's a perfect it match. It blends right in. Yeah. Yep. So like, for instance, uh, the purple coral Crete is like a perfect match to the purple uh, Marco rock. Okay. You, okay. you can't see it. Got it. You know, yep. and especially, you know, if you push your thumb in it and it's all flat, mm -hmm. you can see it. 
But if you take another piece of rock, push it in, yeah. give it some texture, you can't see it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just push a little rubble into the epoxy on the outside mm -hmm. and leave that little rock there. Yep. Can't see it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So for me, I want this thing to look like the ocean and to be look like the ocean. It looks like it has to be one cohesive thing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I made the mistake though in the, uh, the uh, flowy stony tank, we built it into one giant structure and I thought it was going to be strong enough. But like, well, I, I mean, you're always learning something. Dude, it was too damn heavy, man. Mm. You know, like lifting something that's 150 pounds up, up over the, the edge of glass yeah. and then down back into it. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now, now I'm not going to be able to lift it back out. Like I just described mm -hmm. would have been way better if I had intentionally built it in two pieces that slide together. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have been an overhang situation. So it actually looks really natural or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can even build it as puzzle pieces. Yeah. You know, that like go together. Yeah. They just go together in two pieces. Sure. You know, sure. So, yeah, I, for me, it's epoxy is one of the things actually black epoxy. Mm. Never thought I would use that. The NIOS team sells black epoxy. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it doesn't color match, but man, it hides because mm. it's in shadows already. Mm. You know, and so you just don't see it. And interesting. Yeah. Now on white rock, you would see it. Right. But all the purple stuff. Right. You don't see it. Hmm. So uh, in. Yeah. I don't know. Those are, I, I think all of those tools. Okay. You know, right tool, right job. You know, just yep. decide what your job is. Yep. 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 The mortar though, man. I mean, just to give you a scope. With the glue and epoxy method, I bet you I go through 20 tubes, sometimes 30 tubes of epoxy you know, at, you know, six to 10 bucks a piece, plus the glue, plus the accelerator, I'm into $300 in adhesive alone, mm -hmm. right? And so some people just heard, I don't care. I want to build the thing I want to build. Yep. Some people said, you know, no way, <laughs> right? Mortar now, you know, you got 30 bucks, you, you know, two buckets mortar, or whatever. You, yep. know, you got enough for, yep. more, you get two aquascapes out of that. Right. Right. You know, and yeah, and mix it up in batches. Don't mix it all up at once. You know, oh, you yeah. want to add your your powder and your liquid and your water. Mix it up. You get you know ten minutes of working time before it starts to really harden, and then clean the bucket after. Take a break and go back at it again. Uh, last tip on this, uh, and the more on the epoxy thing is, we got to get this episode out. But uh, I will share it in one of these fifty-two episodes. But like match. Don't have to pick a favorite brand of uh, epoxy. Match the color. Yeah. And I'll go this far. We use the coral creech from from Seachem, Okay. And I hate that stuff. Like it was so hard to mush together. Mm. Uh, it was so dry. We had to like soak it in water first. Mm. It was like all of our hands hurt from mushing it because it was like dried up and whatever. But because it was the perfect color match, don't care. Don't care. We're gonna go through that level of effort. Right. Right. And I'm happy with the result. Yeah. My hands were bruised from mushing it, <laughs> but don't care. <laughs> you got the looking one. We're committed. Okay, next one here. Uh, the What is the easiest way to get real stability? I bet you some of you already know. The easiest way to get real stability in your aquascape, start with a solid foundation. So there's a lot of pieces on the market where the, the rock is cut flat. If you start with that, then obviously anything that you glue on top of it's going to be a you know, much more stable. Um, the, the question always comes up, well, if I aquascape, even with a flat stone and I put it on sand and then I have a burrowing blenny or a goby and they go in there and they move some of the sand, isn't it gonna shift? 
Probably, but the chances are it's it's going to remain stable. You know, you could lose a little bit of sand here, a little bit of sand there, but naturally one hole will get filled, the other one gets filled. They don't all usually get pulled out at the same time. And once it's all done and it's locked together, everything's kind of holding itself. Another reason to use the mortar or an adhesive, because once it's all built, even if a little bit of sand was to, was to be removed, you'd still be okay. Um, so for that reason, I love starting with, and don't use more than you need. Usually, you know, on a 120 gallon tank, five pieces of like foundation rock or something cut flat. And you wanna use larger pieces to span the gaps between them to allow for water flow, really cool habitats for fish and stuff to swim underneath it. You wanna kind of elevate the reef as best you can off of the sand bed, or if you're not running a sand bed, to run it you know, right off the glass bottom. But you really want that flow along the bottom to keep the tritus in suspension and it makes the tank generally healthier. So what you're talking about is the Marco Foundation. You know, he's yeah. trying to be nice. Uh, but like it is just rock that sure. literally machined flat on yep. the back, on the bottom and thin. Okay. Yeah. And you could use that for any kind of aquascape on top. Okay. You know. The old, the, I'd use the stuff in, in, yep. in everything, man. I, I don't even care if I'm using a different type of rock. I'd still like to use the stuff for the reasons you described. It's super duper flat. It like, it hits the bottom. What's cool too is, and then like the rock doesn't look like it's kind of like going into there. It looks like the rock scapes emerging yeah. out of the sand, yeah. like yeah. it would in the wild, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. The cool part about it for me is, if I'm going to create those like overhangs and ledges and stuff, well, like you have to defy gravity, and to defy, and when you defy gravity is where it creates a like cool look. Mm -hmm. And the way that you, you know, divide gravity is if this was the overhang, if I just put a rock here to leverage it on it, man, it's not going to work. It's just going right. to flop over. But if the uh, foundation piece is actually out like a big like a cantilever, you know, yeah. like cantilever, but most of it's actually underneath the sand, mm -hmm. yeah, that's recreate that impossible mm -hmm. look that's yep. hidden underneath the sand. Now, one of the things I've done too is like, I used to buy only your big stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I'd want to use a big, huge you know, foundation. I started using a bunch of the small and medium ones and then kind of snaking them together mm. into the shape I want. And then I'd use the mortar because the mortar is the strongest. You know, sometimes I use epoxy here too, but like, and then create the piece that I yep. want as the foundation out of the smaller pieces, make that cantilever. More meandering while also getting the structural support that you need. Okay, another cool piece that I don't think anybody uses these things enough for. So, you ever had a problem with sand blowing around your tank? Oh yeah. Yeah, all of us, right? Yeah. Okay, so I was looking at this. Uh, I went uh, snorkeling in Hawaii recently with our editor, Dave. We are just trying to get inspired, right? And one of the things we saw is you go diving around there and like in like the like offshore reefs, like, like or I should say, reefs that are accessible by shore, you, you, what you see a lot is like sand, but there's all, like, all these ridges and stuff that's kind of like holding it in place. And so you see all these little ridges erupting out of the bottom, which is the reef structure, mm -hmm. and then there's sand all over. Mm -hmm. And it's these ridges that are holding in place. And so we're always trying to look for like bigger, badder sand that's gonna hold in place or use special grade or use whatever. One of these things you can do is use the foundation pieces 
and have the just little tips of it erupt out, mm. you know, as islands around a great place to put cool corals, but B also creates little dunes where the, you know, pumps can't blow the sand yeah, it's away. it's a natural barrier to pre prevent that energy from just taking your sand away, it traps it in. Where it's most specifically useful is in the center when, you know, your opposing pumps hit each other, create mm. turbulence and shoot down and yep. blow it away. Now, if you can create some kind of dunes there, yep. It will, yep. instead of all the sand just going to the sides of the tanks, it will hold it in. You just gave me an idea now of taking rubble and creating these meandering paths, you know, leaving a little break here or there, but around the perimeter of the tanks. Mm -hmm. Just so it doesn't look so obvious, but I bet you can do it in a way that would trap the sand in the middle and, and create this natural barrier. Yeah. 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 So we actually built these pieces out of rubble. Yeah. So at one point in time, when we're talking about biology and habitat, uh, we got, uh, or uh, Elliot showed me where wrasses tend to live. Mm. And they tend to live in these rubble fields. Mm. You know, so it's just almost like if you can imagine like uh, like Tonga branch just broken up as like far as the eye can see. And there is wrasses, like thousands and thousands of them just shooting up and down, in and out of all this stuff. And that's kind of like their natural yeah. habitat. At least these kind, these fairy wrasses. And so uh, when I went, and, I went and built one of these things. And it wasn't like branch but i took a bunch of little pieces and glued them together to create what otherwise looked like a rock but had just huge network mm -hmm. of holes through it and man in like side of an hour the wrasses had already moved in yeah they knew that that was my home yeah that's great right i love it okay well also could be your little dunes that yeah. hold the sand yep. in place yep. as well yep yep mm. all right we're kind of going back to here how do i satisfy both biological and aesthetic needs it, it all plays back to that. Yeah. Sure. Biology yep. for the rat, the yep. berry wrasses, uh, aesthetic. I don't want the damn sand everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> and mixing in a larger coarse grade, I find, you know, if you're using a fine sand, mixing in something a little bit heavier too, the heavier stuff tends to migrate to the top anyway, and then it kind of holds it in place and it looks very natural. A lot of times you'll get like the little bits blow to the side and the chunks stay in the sand, yeah. but it's still better than right. bottom, seeing right. the bottom of the tank. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, the ocean doesn't have this mythical floor that turns black all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The next one in here is, oh, I've been guilty of this one so many times. How much room do you really need for the glass? Really enough to clean. And, and the particulars of your tank, how deep it is, how tall it is, you know, front to back, how you can reach, can you clean it from the back? Those all come into play when you're designing the aquascape and leaving enough room. If you have to get into an area with a stick only, well, you wanna have a little bit of an angle room. So you wanna pull your rocks three, four inches off it. The other thing is, you know, the, the, the rocks, the rockscape when it's dry looks a little different than when it's filled with water. Everything seems to be magnified under water. So if you've got a rock structure that's only three, four inches from the front glass, once it's filled, it's going to probably look a little bit closer. But the most important thing is that you can clean. I've seen people where they set up tanks and then they can't get the magnet through one spot. So they go all around it. And then there's just one area that just grows weeks after, week after week after week, more and more algae. So you really want to make sure you can get everywhere around. And you want the water to flow through the back area too, not put your rocks against the glass. At least that's my preference. I just got this problem, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just, like, I, I, I get the... I build out the PVC cube, you know, so I build my aquascape so I, like, I know where the barriers mm -hmm. are to this mm -hmm. thing. I just can't help but not want to fill it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so 
I think some ways I'd just be better off, like artificially, like if somebody could sneak behind my back and just clip Change off a couple inches yeah. of it. <laughs> uh, but I want to make it like, I just, I don't know. I just like, I see the vision and the vision just keeps going. And yeah. I just keep going with it's, it. You know, a lot of reef keeping is, is discipline. And if you, discipline. if you try to extract where the fun is in this hobby, a lot of it, at least for me, I can really only speak for myself, is hunting for new fish, hunting for new coral, researching late at night, maybe with a glass of wine, what am I going to do? And, you know, oftentimes money becomes a limiting factor, which kind of controls the discipline. It kind of works to your advantage. But let's say you have the money. We see it in New York City. People want everything today. Well, is that really fun? Like if I could just uh, you know, flick a magic wand and the tank is done, is that fun? Is the end goal really the fun? Or is it all the steps along the way? Is it learning? Is it the little epiphanies? Is it researching the new fish? Going to the fish store with your buddies on a Saturday? To me, that's the fun part. The mm. process, the journey, rather than the end game. So, you know, being disciplined and recognizing where you're going to get the most fun out of this and then tying that to the process, I think, you know, you'll extract more, more juice from this lemon. Okay, so I want to get to that coral bit about Insta-Tank thing. Yeah. Uh, but... One of the problems that I have, I mean, I've obviously I've gotten to the point where like under no circumstances is the structure going to touch, come, I, ha, I come close to glass. I have to be able to clean it. Yeah. But man, I've gotten kind of close in some cases. And what it happens is exactly what you talked before is, yeah, it looks fine. I mean, it's, it's, you know, two and a half inches, three inches from the glass, you know, which is more than enough to clean. But when you, you know, like realize the optics of glass and how it like makes things shrink. Yeah. It looks like it's about to touch the glass. Right. Which is not normal and it looks doesn't look good. Yeah. So every time that I ultimately end up getting further away from the glass, I'm happier with how yeah. it looks yeah. in the end. And I just gotta figure out how to stop. Yeah. This isn't necessarily related to this, but like you said, you know, like would you just want the dream? You know, like you know, somebody come over and pimp your tank and add eight million coils to it. It's done. Okay. I don't talk about this a lot because, I don't know, I feel like it's a first world problem, you know, that like most people wish they could have. Right. Okay. But, you know, people like you have done that for my tanks before. You know, like you, like we just pimped out the 160 and like filled it up with corals like yeah. day one. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's fun for camera and stuff. But I feel like something was taken from me. Like, I don't know, man. It's just like, I don't care about it the same way. Mm. I cared about it if I had struggled with it. Open, not like going to the fish door, man. And like, you know, had to think about whether or not I wanted that coral enough, yeah. right? Or even if I opened up, you know, a box of corals like once a month and really appreciated the six that came, Yeah, you know? And then eventually ended up with the 150 that were going in there. But like when they all come like 150 at once, man, you know, first world problem. But, but like, yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't either. My, some of my best memories, and I've always been, you know, this has been what put food on my table, taking care of aquariums, but it's also been my favorite hobby. So my spare time, I was playing with my own tanks. And going to the fish store on a Saturday morning, whether I was riding my bicycle before I had a car or going with my buddy who was older than me and he got a car first, those are some of my fondest memories. I mean, dude, check this out. Come over here. They have this. I mean, 
and I see it now when I go into my store, and it's very easy for me to forget that, but they're, reliv they're living what I lived, and it's, it's magical, you know? And this could be the same for baseball card collecting, for, for sports, for anything, really, but we're talking about aquariums here, so don't rush it, you know? Take your time, plan it, because that should be part of the, the best memories you'll have from this experience. So you're gonna see that in this, and so uh, there's a few different people that are sponsoring some of the corals that are going in here. Uh, so uh, uniquecorals.com is a sponsor of one of the tanks. Uh, uh, Worldwide is sponsoring one of the tanks. Uh, uh, Eric over at uh, uh, Route 66 is yep. sponsoring. Uh, talking to Adam over at Battle Corals, uh, you know, debating the, the Chromis tank one of how we want to approach that. But uh, also the, uh, you know, Elliot over Marine Collectors is providing all the fish for all of these tanks. And, you know, despite everybody's desire to like make these things like instant tanks, we're not doing it. So we're going to add a handful of corals as the series progresses. You know, every month we'll just add a few more. And what I would like to do, I mean, when I say like to, like this is the hard plan, but we're going fast and furious here. So I got to figure out how to manage uh, Dave and I's stress level. Uh, but what I want to do is create shorts out of each one of these animals, you know. And so, you know, here's the Moorish Idol you know, a video yeah. of it, like, why it's awesome. Yeah. Here's how you kick care of it. Like, yeah. I don't know, you call it expert only, or you just feed it this and it's just fine. You mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. source it from somebody that like takes care of it and sends you a healthy yep. one and then feed yep. it the right food, man, it's yep. not a big deal. Uh, and so, but like I here, can see the comments now. <laughs> yeah, well, but, I'm just kidding, but it, yeah. in reality, it's so true. It's so true. It, it is that easy, man. And so, but also like, you know, here's the Blastamusa. Like yeah. this thing, man, normally in the wild, you find it's 80, 90 feet deep, man, on a ledge somewhere. Like, so, hey, this is a beautiful, stunning, fairly slow growing coral that, uh, you know what? Uh, put it somewhere dark and it's gonna thrive and you're gonna love it, right? But like in a 60 second short, you know, like, just like really easy to digest, to digest and then just share all of the animals that go in here, you know, one by one. Even some of the ones that are like less Blastamusa, but I mean, here's like, you know, the Bob Marley revenge, you know, acro or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. they you know, call them these days. Right. You know, like pick the one, like this is what the mother colony looks right. like. Here's what right. the actual coral looks like. Uh, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. it came from an area with, you know, the thrive seems to thrive in 300 par or whatever. Uh, like, Put yourself in connection with each one of these animals in a way they're like bam filled with coral like yeah it's just and jake uh i credit jake i think i ref referenced him in the last uh, the last film or episode we um when he came he was really big on creating these micro environments uh, he was hyper aware of where these corals are found in the wild and to recreate that and i was coming from uh setting up aquariums professionally and then building a coral farm. And I wasn't hyper aware that there are individual needs of all these coral. So he kind of helped me to make myself aware and create these micro habitats. But a lot of that can be extracted, that knowledge and, and applied to the people watching this and the, the tanks you're building, right down to the aquascape choice, the design, you know, how much rock, how high, do you need caves? Do you not need caves? Do you want sun corals glued underneath some of the best. I saw this tank, um, De Jong set it up at Interzoo, mm. this giant shelf, and he had all this tubastria and sun corals glued underneath. And it was like 30 cardinal tetras 
swimming in the flow, and then you had grandmas that were upside down, just like you would see on a reef. Uh. And I'm like, dude, that's the underside. Everyone's focused up here. This guy just, they just created this whole habitat underneath. Want to go do it right now? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it was so inspiring. <laughs> All right, a little deviation here. All right, the next one here is, do you need to consider the rock as a filter as well? Mm -hmm. uh, we're aquascaping. How much consideration do we need to think about it as a filter? Right. And it comes back to what we were saying before with the biological needs. A big role that your rock should be playing in, in a system is to provide surface area for both aerobic at the surface and anaerobic bacteria deep inside. And that's where the porosity comes into play. Also your sand bed, you know, if you have a, a thick sand bed, that's going to provide a lot of surface area. You could probably argue that with a sufficient sand bed, the rock becomes less and less important. So in a bare bottom tank, you'd probably need a lot more rock. And it also comes down to how much biomass is in the tank. Biologists and professional aquarists will calculate in pounds the amount of biomass and extrapolate from that how many cubic feet or meters of filter media do they need. It's a known formula. This amount of surface area will filter this amount of biomass. Doesn't matter the size of the system, it's the biomass. And you know we don't really focus on that stuff in our aquariums, but that same application should be applied or, or we can learn from it is what I should say. So I, I don't like set answers like you need two pounds per gallon because every system is different and that might work for this person, but this person's got a more heavy hand, so it's not gonna work for them because he's Italian and he feeds heavy. So, um, but as a general rule, you want that tank filled with rock for biological capacity. In, in my opinion, those, those tanks work best. And when I say filled halfway, um, filled me is a, is a general term, but you want the aquascape complete with, you know, I don't even know. You, you answer how many pounds per gallon. How many pounds per gallon? Made up, I, I would never even You never that. even do that, okay. I, never, I just think about how many animals I'm gonna put in there. Uh, is it gonna be a lot? And how am I going to compensate for that in a variety okay. of ways? And so a couple of things that I would think of is, I mean, I never like gone to the effort to prove this, but I'm pretty certain that a sand bed has more surface area than uh, the rock itself, probably to a great yeah. degree. Yeah. Uh, you're usually putting about the same amount of pounds in there yeah. uh, as that, but like it's this, you know, that it's like the activated carbon thing, like a tablespoon has the same surface area as a football field or something right. like that. Something right, crazy, yeah. You look at it. And the little grains of sand yep. that are basically rock, but broken up, they have so much more surface area, especially exposed because, yep. you know, yep. it's well broken up. Yep. Uh, also, you know, all the food settles out in there. To, that's where it rots, mm -hmm. you know, and so that's where the bacteria populate, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about it now in terms of like, all right, so I'm going to have a lot of fish too, but they're, there's like sources of ammonia come from like a couple of sources. One, like the, the fish eat the food and then, you know, they get rid of the excess nitrogen through their gills, yep. right? They're getting rid of the ammonia through their gills because there's too much nitrogen in the food. Uh, so that's one way, but like, so I could rely on bacteria, but also like most of the algae and stuff in the tank actually prefers nit or ammonia as their source of mm -hmm. nitrogen. So mm -hmm. they're not waiting for it to turn into nitrate. Yep. Yep. Uh, corals probably too. Uh, and so, you know, I heard once that somebody Sarah shared like ammonia is like nitrate with excess energy. 
Mm. Like it's like oh, nitrate's almost like a depleted battery that I'll mm. use if I have to, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, it's already been mm -hmm. used a few times. Yeah, yeah. the nitrogen. Cycle. Okay, so we're gonna get through that. So I've got like a refugium. Yep. I'm addressing the bacteria, the filtration. You yep. know, like in ammonia, not just nitrate. Uh, but the back, the bo bare bottom piece. Like if I wanted to go bare bottom. Man, I'm gonna put a lot more thought into mm -hmm. how much rock I have and where I'm gonna put it, especially if I'm gonna put fish in it. And I used to not care about the fish. Mm -hmm. Like I would, you know, like they were an afterthought. Yep. I go, here, put a couple of fish in there too. But I was after the coral, right? Now I really like the fish, you know? Yeah. And so there's really low chance that I'm gonna have many tanks that have no fish in it, you know, or very little. Uh, and so, I mean, a, I just can't stand the look of the bare bottoms in mm. my own tanks anymore. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. it yeah. Just it's hard to fall in love when it looks so bare and unnatural. It just looks so foreign to me. I think for growing coral, for growing acropora, for high flow and keeping the water, it, it there are some advantages from a farming perspective. Oh, yeah. But from an aesthetic, trying to recreate nature, it's about as far as you can get. Okay, if your goal is when you're aquascaping these things and deciding you want to do sand and how much yeah. biomedia and stuff, your goal is to grow a ultra stable acro tank where these things, the acros grow really, really well and you're not getting tons of detritus product and you're uh, not getting like old tank syndrome and yep. stuff like that. Bare bottom all the way. Yep. I just keep looking at it. When I was looking at that 750, all I could ever think of is this would look so much better if there was sand yeah. in it. Yep. I just could never get past it. Yep. This is just a personal opinion. You know, yep. A lot of people like it when you cover it in you know, coral yep. and stuff. It's just another place to put coral. Do you think that comes back to what, what you fell in love with when you were an aquarist? Because I think a lot of the newer hobbyists, they're, they got acclimated to tanks without sand, tanks mm. with frag plugs that are visible. So Oof. that is their inspiration. You know, we might, maybe we go back further when we didn't see these little frag plugs. And to us, it's like, ah, cause it's out of our comfort zone. I just, I, I, I'm just curious on that. Yeah. You, you know, know, some people have like phobia of like holes or weird things. <laughs> I have a phobia of frag plugs. It's just, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> glue is here, glue uh, is here. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, it's an interesting thing, but you should plan for it. If you're going to go bare yeah. bottom, know for sure it's going to take way longer to get a stable. It might cloud up on you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the UV will help. Yep. I, uh, personally, man, you're going to either do, like, it's all roll the dice here, but yeah. like if you're going to go bare bottom and you're thinking bacterial and like, how do I think of this as a filter and how do I fight against other stuff specifically with a high power tank, like an SPS tank, yep. you should find the livest rock you can possibly find, or just assume your dry rock is going to take you a year. Yep. You yep. know, it's going to take a year before this thing stables yep. out. Like, yep. It will. I've seen people do but... remote sand beds too, just to try to get some of that sand back in the system. And that could be like a, a bucket with the water flowing in and also flowing out, just like a, a static, somewhat static remote bed, or even in a part of your refugium, just a big container of sand. I you guess know, this get question, some of that back. you know, do I need to consider the rock as a filter? The answer is yes, you, yeah. you should, you should. And the, and the sand is just broken up pieces of rock. Right. Uh, right. You should think about it all holistically. How many fish am I going to have? How often am I going to feed? That's another one. Like, you know, with, uh, uh, when one of these tanks are going to have, uh, you know, school of anthias in it. I'm going to feed one pellet per fish per, per hour. hour. 
when the lights are on. Yeah, when the, yeah. Light, when yeah. the lights yeah. are on. Okay, and I'm going to do that because I've been really successful keeping them alive yep. that way. Yep. Uh, and we don't expect you to measure the food and compare the surface area. So the next best thing is to constantly test your ammonia nitride, especially over the first six months to a year. And if you find you've always got elevated detectable levels of either of those, then something's out of balance. And it could very well be that you just don't have enough surface area to handle the waste that's constantly being produced in there. And the answer to that to that would be to add more surface area, whether that's more rock in the tank, more rock in the sump, more sand, maybe a bio block or something with known surface area. Mm, yep. There you go. Uh, next one here is, okay, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this because I'm not sure about my opinion on this. You might help me develop it actually. The slant, uh, how do corals grow and what looks natural in the tank? I mean, what do you mean by the slant? So whenever I would go diving or look at a, a reef that would inspire me, everything's growing out into the sunlight. And they're growing up at a slight angle or flat. They don't usually grow down away from the light. I mean, what would be the environmental trigger for them to grow away from the light? It doesn't really make sense. So when we recreate these reefs, sometimes you see people, they glue rocks at angles going down or like this. And you can argue that for aesthetic value, the eye of the person that's looking at, the, I mean, the person who's enjoying the tank can do whatever they want. But for me, and I think I, I would represent a lot of people looking at it, you want the tank to represent what you'd see in nature. And that would be ledges coming out, maybe a 10, 15 degree angles going up. Uh, I don't like to see the backside of a rock facing the front glass. So you want to put it, you know, to the left or to the right so you can see what's on top of that ledge and have stuff either flat or just cantered up a little bit. That's interesting, man, because like, if you think about the like uh, shelf rock scapes that you built, you know, they're all kind of like flat. Yeah. Because if they were at an angle, they would just look weird, yeah. you know, most of the time. So they're kind of like flat, maybe a little teeny bit tilt to them or whatever. But like, if I were to look from the top, I would say this looks like a lot of reefs that if I just put my face down yeah. with a snorkel, right? Yeah. But if I look through the side, I guess maybe, but the problem is, is like corals are all growing on the top. So like mm -hmm. I'd have this shelf and there, yeah, there'd be a whole bunch of acros. If I look from the top, they look awesome, but I'm looking through the side at it. And so you kind of naturally want to tilt it so that you can see like you the tiers see. of these And that's things. what I mean. I, I don't mean, you know, you've got multiple tiers and flat is okay. Flat is totally okay. But as you get to the back, you can tilt them up a little bit so you can see the corals on that yeah. ledge is what I mean. If it's flat and it's back, you might not see them as much. And that ledge is supposed to represent the ancient coral that died to render its, its surface area for the next generation of corals to grow. And that coral naturally was growing at an angle, died, and now things are populating. So flat to slightly elevated is, is my personal choice to represent what I see in nature. So would you say that that's true of all styles or just, are you talking, you know, acro tanks? Are you talking, you know, euphilia tanks? You're talking softy tanks or all? Well, it's impossible to have one fit all. Um, and you could argue that every time a natural disaster or a storm comes through, it's knocking all the rocks down. So what is natural? Are the corals growing on rocks and coral edges that are now broken at angles? Yes, they are. But I don't care about 
what is natural some of the time. I want what looks best. And to me, a healthy reef, one that's really grown out, it's got corals plating in tiers. Like you see those plating hyacinth acros, mm -hmm. and they're just in like ledges. You can almost walk on them in mm -hmm. steps. And if you could recreate that spiraling up, I mean, to me, that looks supernatural. So like, I'm thinking again, like you got to get a little bit past what it looks like day one and think end game again. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, if you could use those, those uh, shelf pieces and then just build out concentric ledges where, you know, you just imagine I'm going to bonsai these things because I'm building a collection of them. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to let them get big, this would be a different conversation. But uh, if I was building a collection of acros and I was going to let them all be like a softball size, then the place, the shelf should be about softball size and then the neck ledge yep. could be another yep. softball size. Yep. So you can just kind of, you know, display so many of right. them. Right, right. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting pieces though is like, you think of like a lot of LPS tanks, you know, and what you see is like kind of ridges and or walls or whatever, and then they're like displayed, you know, across the whole thing, you know, right? Uh, but if you saw like a Ganyapora in the wild, it would normally be like a big giant sheet on the ground. Like you just see tons and yeah. tons and tons of these things. You wouldn't see like a little frag plug right. coming out of the side of a rock. So right. this is a total deviation from what it looks like in, in nature. You know, in, in our shelf, you know, what we would do is, you know, like it would be kind of like a ledge, but then we intentionally put pieces that stick out just a little mm. bit farther, knowing that's where the coral is going to yep. be. And they're kind of like spaced differently. So they're not, you know, shading sure, underneath. Sure. That the goal but there. But use your sand bed too. You know, with an LPS system, you know, Ganyapora, you can mm -hmm. stick them right in the sand. That's where a lot of them are found. Uh, fungia, heliofungia, trachophilia, uh, all, all, all of those. And again, you look at the morphology of it. If it's got a conical base, like elegance corals, there's two different types. The ones that grow in meandering ridges and they break those and they leave them in the ocean. They let them heal up and then they sell them. And then the ones that look like they're just like a V. And the V ones are found in muddy lagoons. They literally pluck them out of the mud. The other ones that are broken are cut from giant meandering like solitary corals. Uh, but look at the coral and you can learn a lot from about where it should be placed based on, on that morphology. And use your sandbag. Okay, so I've never seen one of these in the wild, but I think of scolies, right? And mm -hmm. so a lot of people get scolies, you know, a little round like donut coral, yeah. and you stick them in the sand. But I've heard that's actually a branching coral. You see it in person. The scolies are typically found, you know, 50 to 100 feet in, in Australia, if we're talking about the Australian ones. And you can find them on the sides of rocks. I, I don't think that they're branching per se. They definitely protrude and come out. They have a little bit of an elongation and they're just slicing them off. But they're also found just completely embedded into the rock. I, I've never seen one of these like- And in, high in flow usually too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. Okay, learn yep. something new every day. Yep. Uh, you know, good news is we're going to learn something uh, tomorrow as ah. well because this series continues. Uh, if you want to see Joe and uh, all the special guest stuff, including all of the series of the uh, 52SE, you can see it in the playlist right here. Awesome.